Hi, everybody. It's Vin. Again. With Ken and Glenn. Hey. That's it. Us. <laughs> Wait, anyway, here we are again. And, you know, the word again is very appropriate for this episode <laughs> because we can't stop talking about J.R.R. Tolkien. We, we can't. We, we literally can't. He's the bestest. So, uh, you know, we've, we've dug into a lot of his stuff so far, but we wanted today to really dig into just a whole legendarium. And specifically, Glenn, you had a you had a thing you told me before we came down here that we had an unresolved issue. Yes. <laughs> so the question from last time was at the not the end of the Second Age, but the fall of the Numenorians when they had right. when, when Arafarazon had, had gotten had grown so, so mighty, so mighty that he decided to take on the Lords of the West and claim the Undying Lands for himself. He at the urging, of at course, the, of, of of Sauron, Anatar, the the bringer of gifts. Yep. Who was set to bring the Numenorians down. He stays on the island of Numenor. Thinking, oh, I'm safe on the island I'll of Numenor. I'll be fine. The Arpharazon uh, sails into the west with the greatest battle fleet that Arda, Middle-earth, had ever, ever seen. seen to take on the Valar and lands on the shores. The lands that of, mortal feet cannot touch, yet they do. Yet they do, and an entire army comes. And the lords of the west, the Valar, who are basically the gods of of Middle-earth, of, right. of the entire... That, 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 that Eru... Yuvatar, the creator, the one, has given, you're the guardians of the earth. I'm out yes. in the universe doing universe doing things. Thing. You're, you're in charge here. here. You're in charge here. What do they do? And they lay down their control of the world so that Eru can decide what to do. And the, and the conflict was, Ken thought that it was because... <laughs> what did I think? <laughs> you thought that it was because the Numenorians were so powerful that even, the Valar were afraid that they couldn't handle it. Right. My perspective was that the Valar did not feel that they had the right to act so strongly against mm -hmm. men who are the children of Iluvatar. So they had to lay down and let the big guy decide. Right, right. And I happened to find in one of Tolkien's letters... <laughs> well, all I know is what's in the book. And I'll quote that after you quote yours. <laughs> According to Tolkien, letter 156, yes. the Valar had no real answer to this monstrous rebellion. For the right. children of God were not under their ultimate jurisdiction. They were not allowed to destroy them or coerce them with any divine display of the powers they held over the physical world. They appealed to God, and a catastrophic change of plan occurred. At the moment the, that Arpharazon set foot on the forbidden shore, mm -hmm. a rift appeared. Numenor foundered and was utterly overwhelmed. The armada was swallowed up, and the blessed realm removed forever from the circles of the physical world. Therefore, one could sail right around the world and never find it. Yes. So, here's what I'm going to say to that. <laughs> I'm going to be like the elves and say both yes and no. <laughs> and dedicated listeners will know that we've quoted the quote about the elves many times, and it's, do not go to the elves for counsel, for they will say both yes and no. Which is a joke that, that Bilbo tells Elrond, and Elrond <laughs> thinks it's funny. Because <laughs> he knows it's he true. Knows it's true. Uh, so anyway, I mean, yes, obviously, that is true. And I guess what I was riffing on responding to is the way it's written in the, in the Akalabeth, the, the account of the downfall of Numenor. It says that because the Numenorians had grown so mighty, they laid down their guardianship. Now, that's just a different way kind of of saying that same thing, is that Right. They have grown too too mighty. They've grown right. too mighty for what we're here to do. Right. So so so, yeah, the, so I agree with Valar you. Valar could crush them, but right. but that's not that's not our thing. That's not our. We can't. We can't. That's because not what we're to do. 
these are these are arrows, guys. Exactly, and, and we're not. And each- there are, and there are. If if there were other forms of rebellion you were doing, we could take care of it. But this is and big. As, and as a matter of fact, periodically there had been interchanges. Exactly. I mean, there'd literally been interchanges. So I, I guess I actually. Clearly, I agree with that. Uh, but but I, it's just the way it's stated in the book that they'd grown so mighty was I just thought it was an incredibly poetic way of saying that just because they had grown mighty, that doesn't necessarily mean that that might was a good thing. Absolutely. And that and that also speaks to how powerful the Numenorians yes. were. Yes. Uh, because, you know, Tolkien talks about that they had grown stronger than ever in terms of strength, although not in, in wisdom. wisdom. And, exactly. and so and so, what happens <laughs> when Eru takes command of the world, he sends a wave and destroys the island of Numenor, right. which was the gift to men. But this, this wave does another thing. It destroys Sauron. Dis- which he didn't foresee. No, he it, did it destroys his bodily form, and he's never again able to take physical form pleasing to pleasing man. Pleasing to men. However, it also sends on this wave a group of ships, exiles from Numenor. Elendil. Elendil the Tall, who had all, who had remained faithful to the old religion and the old ways that did honor the Valinor and did know you shouldn't go attack them. And we're going to get really deep in the weeds here. <laughs> Elendil came from the line of true kings that had been usurped when the first queen had become, the, right. the woman had become queen of Numenor and she'd been deposed because they never had a queen before. But Elendil is really the rightful heir and the true Numenorian. Yes, and he had two <laughs> sons. Ella, uh, Isildur and his eyes are just glazing over as she hears me go into this. Anyway, you were saying. So, so they had two sons and they and they took only a few, I think it was six ships. Six, seven. Seven. Seven, seven, seven ships. Three seven, for Elendil, yeah, two for Narian, and yep, two yep. for Isildur. Seven. What's the rhyme? Seven, seven ships, ships and, and seven, seven stars, stars and one white <laughs> tree. Oh, so awesome! Oh my god! Over the stones. We'll come back to that in a second. So they land in Middle Earth, where the Numenorians had already established some colonies. Right, so right. this was not unknown. But they were so far beyond the men that had not come to Numenor that they thought they were gods. They, they, I mean, that's that's the reaction. These these right. men who were you know they were just overwhelmed and blown away. And but Ellen Deal did not say, yes, we are gods. He said, no, no we're no, no. just men. Right. We will teach you the ways. Exactly. And we don't seek lordship over you. We simply seek realms t- to, to live. To live. And so that's where you get Gondor mm-hmm. in the south and Arnor in the north. Yep. Ellen Deal takes the northern kingdom. His two sons split. Yep. When we say Gondor, that's what most people are probably more familiar with right. from Lord of the Rings. Right. There were two fortresses. Minas Anor and Minas Ithil, yep. and the main city in the middle, Osgiliath, that yep, was yep, there on yep, the river. Yep. On the Anduin, the on river the Anduin. Anduin. Great river. Yep. Long story short, <laughs> long story short, the northern kingdom actually fails not only about 200, 250 right. years after the death of Elendil at the Siege Dagenland, of Barad-dur, yeah. yes. But the southern kingdom endures for a great long time. Yeah, the realm thousands of, of years. Thousands, and the realm of Gondor is the last true hope. And, and you know, Tolkien talks about even though it was mighty in its day, it was but a shadow of what former self was. Yes. Now, to skip back a bit, <laughs> we'll get into some non-canon stuff, <laughs> but according to the Akalabeth, right. the army of Arpharazone was not destroyed, but, but it merely... Was, it was buried in, in the earth. And is, and is slumbering still, awaiting a final judgment. For the Dagor Dagolak, the the Battle of Battles battles. at the end of time. time. But there it slumbers. Meanwhile, back in (laughs) Middle-earth. Meanwhile, Sauron, although his body is destroyed, his spirit does 
incorporate again, but once again, in a monstrous, non-pleasing form, and things happen. Things happen. <laughs> Rings uh, are made. Things are made. Because what, what I want to do right now is, is, is do our, our sidebar into the larger legendarium. What you have to remember, and I think we've touched about on this in, in the previous two episodes, is that The Lord of the Rings is kind of a by-chance three-volume epic novel. <laughs> it, it, first off, it's not, it's not three volumes. It's one. He, he intended it to be one unified work. But really, it's when he writes The Hobbit, sort of as a, as a throwaway kind of children's story. For his kids. For his kids. Literally for his kids. For his kids. But he writes it, and he gets published, and it's a runaway hit. And they ask for more, another book. And he, you know, he, and he, it, but he's, with that Hobbit book, he inadvertently started introducing things from his larger work, the work that was really the passion of his life, the Cimmerillion, the story, the, the lay of the three rings, excuse me, the three gems, the... Right. the, the 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 legendarium as it was called this this mythical history of this of this of, world of three jewels and their role in and, and the, how they and how they are yeah. tied into the creation of the world so sauron he's the big evil ultimate villain in the third age in the lord of the rings movies and books and and the second age and for the that second matter. age that for matter but he's just a message boy compared to the guy he served who is melkor he who arises in might but then is renamed Morgoth, the dark enemy, enemy of, of the world. world. <laughs> because he stole the Silmarils oh. and murdered. And th- this is the thing. So Morgoth slash Melkor <laughs> was the strongest being to ever come into Middle Earth. Yes. he was, Eru created him on purpose and he was sent to Middle Earth. He was the strongest being. Yep. Stronger than any of the other gods, individual. Powerful in spirit, powerful in abilities, not just strong as in physical strength, only with right. that too. But yeah. But and and so he he sets himself up as the Lord of Middle Earth and strives against the other Valar. Right. Because um, he fights, he breaks with his creator. You know, and this is of course Or does he? Ah, true as, enough. As Eru said, there is no nope. song or story which has <laughs> hath not its othermost beginning in, in me. me. Yes. So exactly. this is all part of the grand plan. <laughs> exactly. Dare I say it ineffable plan. It, the ineffable plan of Eru. <laughs> yes. I did I said it. You, I dared. You said it. I there dared. <laughs> but Melkor is the great dark enemy, and right. it, it's at the end of the first age and the war of the jewels, the Silmarils, that he is cast right. into the void. Now, we need to say, the Silmarils, they are jewels made of impenetrable, impenetrable adamantine that house within them a very special certain kind of light. Because when the world that is, Arda, was created, the light in Arda was from two trees created by Yavanna of the, of the, of uh, the Valar. Yeah. Of the Valar. And it's Teleperion and Laurelin, the light, silver and gold lights that represent, or going to eventually be, the, the sun, sun and, and the moon. moon. But eventually, but originally they're just two, the light of two trees. And then, of course, when the when one tree is waxing, as Tolkien says, yes. it, the other is waning. So their their lights go back and forth, and, and twice a day they blend into that third color. That's a perfect blending of silver and gold. This is the light of the world. Right. And what happens is this guy. You gotta love him. You gotta hate him. You gotta love him and hate him. Feanor of the Noldor, the most skilled craftsman ever produced by that craftiest of all races, the Noldor, Elves he, Eternal. He captures the light and places them in these inside three these jewels. jewels. And 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 they are of such complex skill and they take so much of his spirit to create. I mean, he puts part of himself into these jewels 
that they can never be made again, nor can they be unmade by any way known in Arda. Including to Feanor. Including to Feanor, He's not exactly. sure he can unlock. So, so the light of the two trees, everything seems fine. The Silmarils seem, they're nice to have, but they don't seem that important. Until Melkor comes to Valinor. Right. And he has been he has been imprisoned for an age of the world for previous crimes. He's now rehabilitated, and he tries to cozy up to Fionor because right. he wants those jewels. And Fionor instantly dislikes him, sees through his deceits, and shuns him. And then he decides, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get those jewels. I'm gonna get the jewels. And then first he destroys the two trees yeah. with Ungoliant, the, the giant spider. spider. That sucks the marrow of the world and is still not sated and must have more light. And apparently also bit Tolkien when he was a boy. <laughs> and evidently in, in South Africa. But <laughs> but but so Melkor destroys the trees, the light of the world dies. And well, hold then- on, we gotta we gotta back up with some spider action. So oh. he's, he 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 th- he thrusts a spear into the into the base of each tree, and Ungoliant sups the liquid sap light from, from the both trees. the trees. Oh, At the same time, it's horrible. It, Putting her venom into the tree. So the, exactly. So the trees die. Yes. So it cannot be brought back. But here's the thing: we're gonna we're gonna so Ungoliant and Melkor run off. Things are gonna happen. But Yavanna, who had created the trees, lays down at. Oh, I'm gonna cry talking about this. <laughs> she lays down at their withered, poisoned roots and sings a song of healing that she knows isn't gonna work. She knows they can't be brought, but she sings it. And each tree puts forth one last fruit. They take those fruits, take them to Auli, the smith of the valor. Mm-hmm. He hallows them. Man, we put spirit in them and they become the sun and moon. Oh, it's just... And they sent oh. the lesser valor to control each one. Exactly. In the, in oh the, my in God, the so good, so good. And so, yes, so Ungoliant and Melkor have killed the trees. They go to Feanor's dad, kill his dad, take the Silmaril, yeah. so now the black enemy of the world possesses the only light. Right. Or the, the the original light. But here's the thing. Unbeknownst to Fionor, Fionor doesn't know that, Mel, that Melkor slash Morgoth is attacking the stronghold where his father is, right. where the jewels are. He's there, and and Manwe asked him, can we have the Cimmerils? Because we could bring the trees back with the with light. The, and he goes, no, they're mine. Oh. And so he doesn't know that they're currently being stolen, and right. he says no. And this is this is big stuff. This sets the, this sets the tone. So we'll get to the oath of Feanor next episode. <laughs> because, but but to wrap this one up, this is this is important because this is a I want to talk about a common theme in Tolkien. Yeah, Sauron puts much of his personal power yes, and will into, into the rings. Yavanna puts much of her power into the trees. Feanor puts much of his personal power into the Silmarils. Right, and that power can only be put forth in such a way once, mm-hmm. and it cannot be undone or unmade. And that's a very common theme in, in Tolkien, is a, is, a, is a being Absolutely. And Glenn, putting you forth know, all their effort into this one creation, and, that, and it's all they can do, and yeah. that's how Tolkien felt about his, work. his legendary. Yeah, exactly, that's exactly. They, he, he, I'm so glad you, you brought that that way, because that... That's what all you folks out there listening and watching the movies and reading the books and playing the video games and all the things, you are keeping alive in the very tradition that he espoused things were created every time you do that. It's sub-creation, as he would have phrased it. Absolutely. That's how he did phrase it. it that, yeah. that, you, that you are a sub-creation of something eternal, and now it is 
your your essence needs to also subcreate Go something. into something. Exactly. It's and and do it to such a level that it can only I mean it's beautiful. Yeah. It can only be done once. This is the thing. Here it is. Ah. Just makes me cry. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is it beautiful. It is perfect. It is beautiful. So go forth ye, and, <laughs> and, as, and as Ken said and as Tolkien said, put yourself into, it doesn't matter what it is, exactly. put yourself into something to such an extent that it becomes who you are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you get to choose what that is. Absolutely. So that's a pretty cool thing. J.R. Tolkien, folks. We're going to go Tolkien. Cry yeah, I'm, I'm crying. I've been crying ever since I talked about Yavanna. <laughs> go read it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Then Again with Ken and Glenn is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. If you've enjoyed listening to Then Again with Ken and Glenn, please make sure that you subscribe and help us out by writing a review. To learn more about the Northeast Georgia History Center, visit www.negahc.org.